Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter here. And Jason Burkhardt, how you doing? Little uh, strains of Song B, also known as the best song, in honor of our special guest here today. <laughs> <laughs> we got, this is the Solar Coaster. We have a really special guest here. It's Hank Rogers. Welcome to the studio, Hank. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you riding the coaster with us today. We've been really psyched <laughs> about this for a while, kind of ramping up. We got Solar Anthony over here on a mic too. Aloha Maui, how we doing? <laughs> and Jonah Heller back there. Aloha Jonah, What's thank up, you. Everybody? Yeah. Gary as well, and reportedly we may even have another fella coming in. Your CTO Kyle Bulger, who's a real smart guy, has been on the show past episodes. Yep, it's so. a crowded studio today. <laughs> so we're gonna jump right into it. We are the Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. You can see us at Fridays at 105 p.m. on KOI 1110 AM. Uh, we are also on some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 Upcountry. Call-ins are welcome uh, throughout our shows. However, today we're going to hold them until later in the show, right? Right. The last 15 minutes, if you would hold your calls, 242-7800 uh, is the local number, 808-242-7800. And the statewide or in um, national number, uh, 1-866-982-7800. That's 866-982-7800. We got a great website. You can check out our live streams and all kinds of other great jazz up there, podcasts, and I don't know, a whole bunch all of our, other stuff. All our previous shows, the links to the live stream that you can actually look and see us right now. Say hello, everybody. everybody. There we are. Uh, all Everything is available at solar-coaster.com. Just click on solar-coaster.com, click on podcasts, and get all our previous shows, uh, or watch us live right now. Absolutely. And we are sponsored by a great stable of companies, uh, Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, and Pika Energy. Thank you, guys, for keeping us on the air. Do appreciate you every day. <laughs> <laughs> and very quickly, uh, we can, we're available on uh, iTunes, various podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And we're getting a little bit of play out there these days. We're just kind of exploring that space. So do check us out if you're Excellent. a pod, podcast person. Uh, should we jump right into our news and events, Jay? Sounds like a plan. Okay. First thing up is the why the solar tariff question in the U.S. could benefit other countries a whole lot. What's this more, all about? More, more than the U.S. If we, if we institute a tariff. How does that even work? This is Forbes, right? And this was the Forbes article, right? Um, and, and the thought process goes as follows. If there is a tariff that is placed on panels and cells being imported in the U.S., then U.S. suppliers will not buy as much, right? We will, we will cancel projects, and so that we won't be buying as much as a nation. Mm -hmm. um, that will cause a glut in manufacturing. There will be a lot of panels and cells available for other nations to purchase, mm -hmm. and because of the gluts, prices will drop, and they'll, it'll actually quicken adoption Overseas. That's the first time <laughs> I have heard that one. Uh, yeah, we saw this today, and I'm like, what on earth could come up with that kind of an idea? Well, can, it could make sense. And there's, there's, there's so much manufacturing going out, everybody wants to sell their stock mm -hmm. pile, so mm -hmm. they will, they'll compete with each other. Okay. Whether, whether or not we're buying them at a discount price or not. I'm not sure if I buy that. We're going to have to take a closer look at the Forbes yeah, article. for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, but that is Forbes.com today, maybe about a couple hours ago. And we also got something from The Hill, right? Yeah, this was really interesting. Energy Department um, study came out. This is this is a uh, EIA uh, Energy Information Administration study that's issued every year about the growth of renewables, uh, solar and wind specifically, in other nations. And the study was just released, and yet many of their and, and it's treated as a forecast. I think I guess that's the big misconception. It's treated as a forecast. So, but all the um, 
a large number of the stats that they gave have already been achieved by other nations. I, I mean, I kind of see this across the board. There seem to be these estimates of how renewable energy adoption across the globe is going to take shape, and then we just need to be blowing them out of the water. You right. Know, so that, that's to me, that's kind of like it's a mm. massive underestimation. But the, 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 the article is really interesting because basically I mean, they, they did their due diligence. They went back to the architects of this particular study and say, where did you get your numbers? Because a simple Google search will tell you that they're not right. Right, right, right. <laughs> but and and they the the methodology was actually pretty surprising. Well, we just we just figured that Brazil, for example, is one of the major offenders, right? They've they, what was published in the study, they've already achieved that and blown mm -hmm. it out of the water. But um, we just said, well, you know what? They're not really going to make that, so we'll just shave ninety five percent of their projection. And that'll be our our forecast number. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? Where did so you just pulled that out of your butt? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I guess that's good news at the end of the day, right? We're sure. Seeing... No, they're they're already they're already way over. Um, they, the article is interesting, though, that there are two tipping points, and I, I kind of understood this, but they made it very clear. Um, two tipping points in, in the solar and wind kind of adoption rates is when the first tipping point is when solar pricing for, for a large farm competes with or outstrips building a new coal-fired plant. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it's cheaper to build renewable parody? energy, parity, yeah, parity of parity of, of building a new plant. And so, for example, in China, 100 projects have already been canceled for co new coal fired, new coal fired plants because they can build solar cheaper. Mm. So why wouldn't why wouldn't you do that instead? The second one is the second tipping point for a massive avalanche is when it is actually cheaper to build a new solar plant than even continuing running the existing coal. Oh, so you, you got a life, you got a lifespan left in that peaker or in that plant or whatever it is, and it's like you know it's better just to cut it off right now. Forget the infrastructure. Right, the running cost for that for that diesel old diesel renewables. generator in in Malaya. So is, are, are we <laughs> are we seeing <laughs> that? I wonder where we're at right now. I mean, geez, are we in a place well, where we're, we're starting to see exactly? Those? That's why why a hundred projects in China are canceled. For, mm. for coal-fired plants, why would they want them? Because they can get the, the panels for the same money. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I hadn't I, I haven't really considered the economics of the systems in in China because I tend to think in terms of subsidies in the United States, right? Sure, so my sure. math is always structured around that. Right. But in China, I mean, there's this massive ramp up, and so it must be at parity without subsidy, or or is the government involved in subsidizing it? I don't know. Yeah, well, right. I'm, I'm honestly not sure about the Chinese Chinese government's policies right. on renewables. What do you think, Hank? Are we seeing some really good things across the, the world right now in terms of the this this issue? Yeah, you know, um, we in Washington have uh, sort of like uh, buried our head in the sand, and and so we've lost the leadership uh, in the world for going uh, oh, yeah. renewable. And uh, China is picking up some of that leadership. I mean, it's 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 a good thing. I you know I don't ca particularly care who does it as long as it gets done. Uh, and China Absolutely. is a big source of of carbon. Uh, carbon dioxide and so if they're willing to make the change and and by the way if they decide to make a change they make a change it's, it's mm -hmm. not like uh, let some <laughs> of us think about it and we disagree blah 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 no when when the when the country says we're going to do this we're going to kill all the flies in China. Then everybody gets together and kills 20 flies, and all the flies are gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen with solar, and and then they'll actually be able to see the sun again. I mean, like Beijing, you can't see the sun. Yeah. Right, yeah. and there are a lot of rich people in Beijing, and they're yeah. pissed off. Uh, you know, they they their kids can't see the sun. 
like yeah. what kind of a place is that to grow up in? You know, a place where you can't see the sun. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, I actually had that experience. <laughs> I did a little work uh, in sourcing between Japan and when I came to uh, Maui to live, and I was working in China, and and I got a real and it blew my mind. And especially all up and down the special economic development zone from from like uh, from Zhejiang all the way up to Qingdao, you just got gray skies in these cities, and it's just mm -hmm. a, it's really stark what that feels like to not see the sun. It's kind of a, you know. I think it would thing. drive me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fight of NDU deficiency. I would go insane. Yeah, the first time I went to Japan, I was living in Hawaii, and I went, and it was like uh, Hawaii's paradise, 1973, 4, something like that. Then I went to Japan. It's like my eyes hurt when I got off the plane. Mm -hmm. uh, it just literally teared. So it was like near, the you know, the, the Tokyo Bay. So it was Kawasaki. And there were all these factories still there. And it's all gone now. They've mm -hmm. moved that stuff or they've cleaned it up. Right over China. So you can actually, right? so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can actually breathe now. But back then, you know, it was like eyes watering. Mm. And, you know, I grew up in New York uh, and we used to have smog in New York. So, I mean, all of our cities had the same problem. Mm. It's just we dealt with it a longer time ago because we have more people that have a bigger voice. So now it's China's time, possibly, right? It's definitely China's time. Uh, there are, like I said, there are a lot of rich people in China who are pissed off. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple of those guys. All right, well, let's take nice. a look at national. It kind of ties right into what we were talking about. And Green Tech Media, uh, this Trump solar tariff decision is coming pretty soon. Uh, Jay, what do we got yeah, here? Pretty, pretty soon in quotes. I like that. It's coming pretty soon, you know. Um, the deadline is the 26th. So 26th. we need to have something by the 26th. Um, we had Abigail Ross Hopper on the show uh, last week, and she thought that we would see a decision sooner, mm. like any, 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 any day. day now. Um, it's been a week, and we still haven't seen it. So we literally have five more days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this this is a pretty controversial uh, uh, talking point right now, and everyone's kind of on you know on edge. Uh, there's a lot of concern. We've covered it a lot over the last couple of shows, Hank. And this you know part of the discussion is a lot of this tariff actually could be priced into current module uh, module pricing we're getting out of out of the distributors. Um, but at the same time, no one wants to compromise the the progress of the United States, you know, and of our renewable energy adoption. Um, yeah. I, I know that, uh, she, what was she saying? Uh, she, uh, oh, Abby just put forward a, a, a letter directly to the White House, mm -hmm. uh, kind of petitioning to uh, not get, she says it's counterintuitive, somewhere to the quote. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a personal letter um, sent from SIA president directly to um, President Trump. And um, it's basically going to, the tariffs will actually kill American manufacturing jobs, the very jobs we all want to grow. Um, yeah, that says, so it's that's not going to do much says it all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. not the right choice. Uh, well, in, but I'm getting two things in my ear about the the specifics of panels. Is one mm. one thing what you said? What you just said was that they it's already priced in. They've been taking their their profits a little bit on the the down low there, um, and the module prices won't move. The other thing is that module prices are going to double. Well, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I, you know, you asked, we, she said something the other day. She goes, well, you know, we asked her what was her take on it. She's right there in D.C. She's lobbying for this effort. She goes, ask 100 people, get 100 opinions. Right. And it kind of speaks to the volatility of our, 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 our political class right now. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. At, right. at the end of the day, it's in Trump's hands. I mean, that's terrifying. Sorry, Trump well, lovers. Whether, <laughs> whether, <laughs> whether, whether it happens or not, sure. But what our reaction is. Yeah. What manufacturing's reaction is, what our reaction sure, is. Sure, is, sure. We can control that. Hank, you want to weigh in on this one? Oh, yeah, totally. So, you know, uh, during the Obama administration, I was a big Obama fan, and the, the government was all making the right moves. We kind of sat back and, and said, well, the government's going to take care of us, and it's going to make this change, and all these th good things are going to happen. Mm. And now we have a different administration. And so we, on the, uh, on the ground, 
uh, are saying, you know what, uh, the government's not going to help us on this one. We got to do this on our own because it's not it's not just us, but it's our children, our grandchildren, it's you know all the generations that are coming, and this is our maybe our last chance to avert a serious climate change disaster. We 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 just don't know. We're going into uncharted territory, and so for us to ignore the science of it is just. Uh, it's it's criminal, actually, is is the way I look at criminal. it. Criminal, yes. It's criminal, and so we need to we uh, the, the the people on the ground have redoubled our efforts, uh, you know, during the Trump administration. And I feel I, I feel this all the way up and down the scientists, the the politicians who are on the right side of this issue, uh, the people who are who are in the in the business of solar energy. We are fighting twice as hard as as we have ever fought That's to to wow. make this all happen. And, that's encouraging. Uh, and so that's, that's good. So, so then what happens at the end of the Trump administration, we get a new administration, and then we will have positive and positive. We'll already have a, a tremendous amount of momentum on the ground. And then when the government chips in and says, like, okay, here's the rest of the story, I think we'll see a, you know, a, a big tide of uh, renewable energy coming in. You can't compete with, Absolutely. with uh, fossil fuel. It's just you can't compete against the, the ma- you can't compete against the math on this. It just works. The math. There's yeah. no getting around it. When you said that, I started to it, it, think of all the metaphors that are out there for this this thing we're talking about. And I imagine Trump as a kind of it's almost like a Trump vaccine. It's a vaccine for the <laughs> country against <laughs> against uh, against you know uh, fossil fuels. You know he's like we got this kind of pendulum swing where we're gonna go the opposite direction as soon as the. Uh, the administration's uh, out, right? So this is pretty remarkable stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, the uh, we're gonna f- hear about that uh, that issue of tariffs. Uh, I know that Abby from SIA has an alternative, the licensing uh, concept she, mm-hmm. she suggested. We'll see if that gets any play. But really, it's anyone's guess right now, and it can come at any moment. Maybe during the show. Sure. Maybe we'll see it pop love, in, and we'll know what, what's going on. <laughs> so. They should call in. <laughs> okay. Um, next news item. This was actually really fantastic. Went across my desk. Um, Babcock Ranch in Florida mm. is a planned community, which is based off of solar. The entire town. How much? Oh, three hundred forty-three thousand panels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Three hundred forty-three thousand. About hundred megs. It's it's yeah. gigantic, um, but it's actually planned around all the technologies that we're always talking about they have these little autonomous shuttles that yeah. actually drive around and they are all electric you can summon them with an app on your phone um massive mobility increase for for elderly and and just safety issues um it's a really cool thing and this town just opened they put their they got their first resident moved in this past week and then their next second resident is going to be in by the end of the month so right. it's live Right. <laughs> Which is Pretty, a really cool town. I mean, that's kind of like the direction that our developers need to go. I mean, there's discussions all around here about microgrids mm-hmm. and about uh, autonomous, you know, communities actually developing their own power, water, even food and little, uh, uh, you know, development areas like this. So these guys are kind of, they've been working on this for about 10 years or something mm-hmm. or more, yeah. 2005. Yeah. The they're they're opening a done building. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's and, done. Uh, but the, one of the notable characteristics of Babcock Ranch yeah. is that there is no storage. No storage at all. They have all that solar and they export they export to the grid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a grid that can absorb all that all, all that power, it's it, it's fine. Um, but if you if you look at places like Puerto Rico, sometimes the grid goes down and mm-hmm. it goes down for a long a long time. And so, place like Florida, I I would expect that people would want to have a little bit more security than a wire. Um, with all the hurricanes. With all the hurricanes and all on. that. So so, yeah. So I'm off the grid, and uh, I, you know I've I, I figured out. 
uh, what it takes to get off the grid, it's not that much. It's, uh, it's very straightforward. Uh, my ranch is off the grid on the Big Island. My house is off the grid in Honolulu. Um, both those cases were slightly different reasons. I wanted to study energy storage because I look at energy storage as being the answer to intermittent energy. And most of renewable, like wind and solar, are, re are intermittent, so you need mm -hmm. to have a way to store it. Um, so I thought, well, how hard can it be? And, and uh, we talked to uh, Helco, what an appropriate name for that company. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> we talked to Helco yeah, about yeah. about you know connecting to the grid and saying you know like we're going to put 100 kilowatts on our roof, um, and we want a grid tie because you know we're not going to have power at night, so on and so forth. And says the first thing they asked me for was uh, thirty thousand dollars to to do an interconnect study, mm. and you know an interconnect study is just a way for them to delay the project for a year or two. And then at the end, they can say, you know what, uh, we need $100,000 to upgrade our substation to be able to, it's like, no, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. So um, we went into looking for batteries. Mm. Uh, first ones we tried were uh, vanadium redox flow batteries. They lasted for about a year. The company was bought by the Chinese. We never heard from them again. <laughs> they stopped working. And I said, the next time we buy batteries from a company, it's going to be from a company that's still going to be around in 20 years. And uh, <laughs> we narrowed it down to two companies, uh, Sony and Tesla. Mm. And we looked at both of those batteries and we found out that Tesla actually has, uh, you know, the chemistry that needs moving parts uh, and that has the overheating problem and so on. And overheating and then having to cool it down, those are all complicated things when the Sony battery technology was no overheating, so no cooling part, nothing, nothing moving. Yeah. And so uh, there's no way for them to overheat and, and, and actually catch on fire. So, you know, your Samsung, you know, if, if your Samsung decides to catch on fire, you can, like, find a bucket of water and dump it in the bucket, and it's fine. Even, even uh, you know, your, your Tesla, if, if your Tesla's going to burn down, it gives you a message, and you pull over, and you get out, and you watch it. But if you're in a house, and you and your children are sleeping, uh, when your battery, if your battery starts going off in the garage, that's not a good situation. So for sta stationary applications, I think that safety is uh, outweighs, you know, zero to 60 speed. We don't need that kind of stuff in, in a residence. <laughs> so uh, the Sony batteries are a little bit heavier and uh, take up a little more space, so they're not gonna end up in your phone, they're not gonna end up in your car, but they will let end up in your house. Right, right. Yeah, lithium, nice. lithium iron phosphate lithium is the chemistry, iron yeah, lithium iron and phosphate. really high quality lithium iron phosphate is, is kind of that you know, <coughs> distinction, right? So, so it really has the longevity, the power, and the safety. Uh, so that's exciting stuff. Yeah, so we've, uh, Sony, which is no longer Sony because Sony sold that division to Murata, which is another huge company in Japan that makes iPhone parts, mm. and that's where they make all their money. 30 of the parts inside of your phone are made by Murata anyway. Mm. Um, so they've uh, tested these things. Uh, first they told us 20 years, like 8,000 cycles, but now they've, s they've cycled them for 14,000 cycles. A cycle being from zero to 100. And uh, you know, when, we, when we do a residential uh, install, uh, we look at a daily cycle. Mm -hmm. So uh, one cycle, the sun shines, you fill up your battery to 100%, you use it all up during the night, goes down to zero or not actually zero you have to build a little bit extra mm -hmm. but uh and you know we're comfortable that that will keep that will happen that will work for at least 20 years if not 30 years because they cycle it 100 percent they s down to zero and your house never goes down to zero mm. um so 
you, you add that to, to battery life, it's it's a long time. That's a long time. You know, and we were talking with Kyle the other day at the at our MSP, Maui Solar Project sales meeting, and he stopped by. He was kind of briefing us on some of the technology, getting the guys up to speed on it. And, you know, and he was saying, he said something to me, I mean, he said a lot of great things. Brilliant guy, by the way. Great stuff, right? Yeah. So he said a lot of amazing things, but he was talking about how basically, like, the, uh, you know, you don't want to buy, it's not like you're going to buy a new battery system when it's trendy, the next one. You want something that's going to be stable, set it, forget it, live with it. You don't have to worry about it. It's not the kind of thing like a phone, I'm going to get a new phone every three years or something. You're going to want something that ha can last. And a lot of the systems out there, the technologies that are out there, don't really have the prospect for the longevity that this particular chemistry does. That's a pretty distinguishing characteristic. So when people think battery, they think about the little things that you put in your flashlight. Mm -hmm. And that is one way to think of a battery. But the batteries that we're talking about are significantly bigger. Mm. And so when we're talking about somebody who's been off-grid for the last 10 or 20 years, they're using lead-acid batteries. These things are heavy and massive. And, and what happens to them is you have to bring in some pretty strong guys to, to remove them. And where do they go? They go to Mexico and, and the, the lead is recovered mm -hmm. you know, by kids with sledgehammers. It's horrible. There's a lot of wrong in that. There's lead and there's acid. Both of those things are nasty. And yeah. the, you can't just throw them out. You've got to recycle them into something. And they're, and they're being recycled, but they're being, being recycled in a very horrible situation. Wow. So when we looked into our, our battery chemical lithium iron phosphate, we asked Sony, so what do we do with it? What's the end of life? Do we give them back to you and you, you reuse them? I said, no, no. You can just dispose of them because lithium, iron, and phosphate are all benign chemicals. So if they end up in a, in a landfill, it's no big deal. Mm. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, we use phosphate for growing vegetables. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know what we use lithium besides batteries, but still it's... Well, that's, that's a little bit of a question right now, yeah. is that there's such a demand on lithium because of this battery ramp, yeah. regardless of chemistry. Yeah. Um, wouldn't you want to harvest that back anyway? I'm, I don't know. How, I, I'm not a <laughs> chemist, so I don't know how much, how much right. actual lithium is inside a battery. My, my, my gut says, yes, you would. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like we've moved into some of okay. this good yeah, content. We're but we're let's wrap up our, our Hawaii-based news, and then we're going to jump right back into some great questions for Hank. Sure, sure. Um, so what do we got here, Jay? Something's going on with NSYNC again. These guys don't can't get out of the news and NSYNC are doing all sorts of stuff. So NSYNC is actually, they just signed a PPA. We know we talked about PPAs before. Yeah. It's a power purchase agreement. So NSYNC is, is buying, building the actual equipment and will sell power at a discounted rate to our Polynesian Cultural Center, mm, which excellent. is fantastic. So a 396 kilowatt photovoltaic and inverter system uh, will reduce the facility's kilowatt hour rate, bringing an estimated savings of $43,000 in the first yeah. year alone. Thank nice you. Nice job, NSYNC. <laughs> These guys are doing a lot of business. They got those super modules, I think they're called, in yep. the containers. Yep. Uh, so there's some kind of really good stuff going on, and I'm really glad to see it. This is probably the fourth or fifth NSYNC project of note. Yeah, they're super we've, we've, active uh, here, uh, and I would thank you yeah, so much, yeah. NSYNC, for, for being out here and doing stuff <laughs> and uh and so yeah it's great with nsync and whole other subsidiaries probably engaged in that too and then we have what's going on here in maui we're going to talk a little bit more about in a second but uh we have the hilt uh buyback the beach dinner uh the luau happening at the old lahaina luau and i talked with angela and she said i have to share that they are sold out they're sold out so which is a great thing uh, so, uh, and, and Hank's going to tell us all about that because he is their honoree this year, the champion of the land. That's some big stuff, uh, Hank. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 frankly speaking, I, I, I know that I'm invited, and, and but I don't know much about the event itself. It's a good time. Oh. We're going to learn all about it. For, for immediate about it. release, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shall we go right into our commercial run and we'll pick up with Hank right, at, uh, like on the way out? Yep, yeah? here from okay. our sponsors. Thank you. Aloha, and welcome to Maui Solar Project. 
it is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric. A leading worldwide inverter manufacturer presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Okay, well, those are our wonderful sponsors that help keep the solar coast on there. Thank you again. We're always riding the rails because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, again, um, hold your calls for Hank uh, until the end of the show, 242-7800. Again, 242-7800 is the number. Uh, the last 15 minutes, we'll be able to... to uh, get you on the air. Um, I had a question um, right away, and we talked a little bit about this um, before the show. Uh, it's too many parallels in our lives. <laughs> but how did you get from entertainment software into renewables? I mean, my story is convoluted, so I don't know how long this is going to take, but uh, briefly. It, it, briefly, I, I uh, sold my company. It was called Blue Lava Wireless uh, for lots of money. And a month later, I found myself in the back of an ambulance looking up and saying, you got to be kidding me. I haven't spent any of the money yet. Oh, man, a month after that? It was a month after that, 100% blockage of the Widowmaker, which is the largest <sighs> artery in your heart. And the second thing I said is, no, I'm not going. I still have stuff to do. And uh, so in the next couple of weeks, they wouldn't let me go back to work, obviously. I just had a heart attack. And uh, I found my missions in life. I thought, what did I mean by stuff? And uh, I have four missions in life. And the first one came to me still in the in the hospital and it was like an article in the back of the newspaper saying oh by the way we're going to kill all the coral in the world by the end of the century <laughs> i'm like uh no we're not that is stupid that is like the dumbest thing i've ever heard uh coral is the basis for for 25 percent of all the species in the ocean it's the basis for surfing for christ's sakes and <laughs> i mean like <laughs> duh and the and there are lots and lots of islands that are made out of coral you know, that wouldn't exist in the future if, or if all the coral in the world went away. And that's just the stuff that we're measuring. You know, the, it's the calcium that's being broken down by carbon dioxide. And guess what? Plankton need calcium too. And so if we're, if we're taking out like a whole 
a set of species of plankton, we don't know what that's going to cause, what kind of uh, collapse of the of the ocean e- ecosystem. And we depend on the ocean. You know, 70% of the o- ocean is... Whether or not you've seen it yeah, in your whether, lifetime whether doesn't you know matter. Whether you know it or not, you know, <laughs> you're dependent on the ocean. We came from the ocean. So yeah. we cannot just, like, stand by and, and let this happen. we got to do something about it. So mission number one is to end the use of carbon-based fuel. Uh, I've got three other missions. We can talk about that on another show. <laughs> we're, <laughs> gonna, we're not going to hear the rest oh, of them? Oh, gosh. If, you, if you're, like, killing Four me. Four or yeah. five missions we're oh, hearing okay, about. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Give us the bullet points if you want. The bullet points. Number two is to end war, and it's not because people die, because, like, the in the thir- 16 wars, 13 year, years that we've been in Afghanistan, we lost, I don't know, 2,000-something people, and that's the same number of people that died on Omaha in, on D-Day in one, in one day. Uh, we lost 400,000 people in World War II, and we lost 2,000 people. And it's not the same thing. People are not dying. And that's why people are not feeling like we're at war, because it's not like everybody knows somebody who, di- who just right. died. Yeah, there's this, no. is a, this is a, a really interesting it, point here. It, it's feeling. about money. It's about money. And, and if we were serious with our money about uh, solving the energy situation or the, the, uh, the carbon situation, we could do it. You know, we, in World War II, we went from biplanes to jet planes. We invented sonar, radar. We invented the freaking atom bomb, mm. you know? And, and like when, it, when it's our existence, our way of life that's at stake, we do incredible things, and we can do them in five years. And today, if we had that five years and that the equivalent amount of money, we should be able to solve all of the problems related to climate change in the next five years. We just don't feel like we're at war. We just don't feel like the emergency is there. I have that's to, the I issue. Have, I have to jump in right there on number two. So we'll just hold a placeholder there for a moment. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, Americans don't have that kind of feeling, I think, of, of being at war, right? That sense of the, 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 the potential. Your uh, way of life is not right? yet at and, risk. And, you know, my, I had a lot of experience working in the Peace Boat Organization in my 20s, and I, kinda, and, I, and I met Hibakusha, or the victims of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, yeah. and I heard them tell their stories, and that was really a profound experience for a young man in his 20s, young American from New Jersey in his 20s. And, and I was like, well, this is really different. You know, and this Saturday, we all thought for about 8 or 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was, that we were in the middle of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I went and made myself a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I, you know, first of all, uh, the North Koreans have managed to hit an ocean so far. And, and hitting a, a specific target, like a dot in the ocean, is very different from hitting an ocean. You know, you could yeah. say, oh, I did it. Well, what did you just do? I uh, hit an ocean. Well, okay, that's, a, that's different from hitting a Y. So capability is first thing. And second is... You know, you've. I should turn on my phone and and get all kinds of news from all over the place. You got to have second and third sources mm-hmm. for that kind of thing. So, I. I so you that, didn't. That you, was did, my, you didn't have that feeling. Yeah, you were, that, you that was okay. mine. I was driving through town. I went into town uh, early morning. My my parents had some guests, so I went into homemade and got some marasadas for everybody. <laughs> and I was heading out of town, and of course I got the message, and I'm looking, and the sirens are right there, and they're not going off, and nobody else is freaking <laughs> yeah. out on the roadway. Crazy time. I, I, but, I drove home. But I mean, I think the, 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 the point that I think that that's there is that people felt for a moment, a lot of people felt yeah. for a moment, yeah. that there was the potential for this to be a real thing. Right. And that changes and that perspective, or maybe does it change perspective? Yeah. yeah, I think it does. I think that people are more aware of what's going on between the U.S. and and some rogue nation, uh, and and basically, you know, we can rightly so feel that we're actually egging them on by calling mm. them names and and saying we're going to destroy you, and you know things like that make them 
You know, we have been promoters of regime change in a number of countries. Mm. We've regime changed Afghanistan, we've regime changed uh, Iraq, and we're in the process of regime changing Syria. And all these places where we're changing the regime. So other people, other places mm -hmm. are watching us do that and say, well, how are we going to survive this? How are we going to survive U.S. coming after us? And the, and the, the North Korean answer is, well, we just got to be as badass as they are. We're going to have to have our own nukes. So you could say that because we have been doing this regime change all over the planet, they're like backed into a corner and they're kind of forced into the, into the ridiculous things that they are doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not saying they're right. I'm just saying that that's the reason that they're doing it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a scary time in some in, in a sense. And I and just when I think about, I think one of your discussion points is really focusing in on Keiki, right? On the on the children. And when I think about our children having to live in that kind of conversation, gets me really hits me really hard. You know, yeah, that's, I kind of grew up during the Cold War, yeah. so I mean, it's not like we haven't had that conversation before. And uh, and everybody's like, the finger was almost on the button a number of times during the Cold War. And we managed to survive it because, you know, mutually assured destruction doesn't really work. It's not in mm. anybody's interest. And uh, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't believe somebody's going to be dumb enough to push that button for real. Okay. Because well, it's, it's <laughs> suicide. It's, you know, it's right. a guaranteed suicide. Okay. So, so what was, we're on number two. What was number three? Number three is to make a backup of life on Earth. Okay. And you could say one of the ways of looking at it is like, okay, uh, 65 million years ago, the dinosaurs went away. Why? Because they were too stupid to get off planet. They were Through all no here. no fault of their own. <laughs> they were all here when a relatively small rock hit hit Earth. And, and if we look at the, the lunar record, I just came back from a moon conference, and the, the things that struck the moon, especially around 38, uh, 3.8 billion years ago, were much bigger than the dinosaur killer. So historically, we've had much bigger events than the dinosaur killer event. And we haven't identified all of the rocks that could hit us going forward. So it's an accident waiting to happen. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is like we are on a path of self-destruction. We're the ones who are destroying our own environment that, that we need to survive in. So, you know, the, you could say that, so what are the extinction events that, that could wipe humans or life or, or mammals, uh, you know, off the sh uh, surface of the planet? And the answer is there's lots. But if we are on another planet as well, that probability goes down almost to zero. And so we need to, I mean, I come from the computer game business. You make backups. Mm -hmm. If my program came to me and said, I've been working on this game for <laughs> like a year and I just lost all my data because my, my hard disk got fragged and I don't have a backup. I said, you idiot, you're so fired. And so, yeah, so here, you know, we as a species should be fired because we're still all here after having been to the moon 50 years ago. It's all, and and uh, so the moon is the next logical step. It's only three days away by mm -hmm. 1960s technology. Um, and when we move to, Mar to the moon and Mars, to survive there, we will have to learn how to be sustainable. Because there is no such thing as throwing out the garbage on the moon or Mars. It's a million dollars a kilo to mm. send something to the moon. Uh, maybe an order of magnitude more to send something to Mars. So you would not like throw something out that it's too valuable. Everything has to be repurposed into something else. Every container has to be 3D printed into something else that's useful on the, on the moon base. And so what we're actually doing is we're learning how to live within our means. Energy, food, everything has to be, everything has to be recycled. There's no such thing as garbage. 
there's no you're not leaking anything into the vacuum of space mm. it's all important there's and a learning that, opportunity and then. that's how and that's how we have to live here mm. we have to we have to learn how to live there to learn live back here and you could say solar panels and we we're on you know on a radio show about solar panels they were invented to have satellites survive mm -hmm. in space because they didn't have another source of energy so we don't even know all the things that are going to be invented for survival on the moon and mars but they will all be useful for survival here. So yeah, that's amazing. So we were just reading this morning about that uh, that oh, the 10 kilowatt reactor. nuclear reactor yeah. they're trying to that's utilize. A, that's still uh, a fission right device, now. but yes. Yeah, so <laughs> that may not be the right direction to go. <laughs> and number uh, four, right? Number four, I have four kids, four, four missions. I, kind of loosely thought that each of my kids would pick up one of my missions. It's so not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, but mission you. number we four, and, and, uh, and I tried to get rid of this mission a number of times, and I asked people smarter than me, can I just get rid of this mission? And they said, no, you thought of it, it's yours. And so number four is to figure out how the universe ends and do something about it. Keep the Indians from ending? Keep it from ending. No, see, it's do something about it. We don't, I don't think we, I think, I think what we have done as human beings is we've doubled our, uh, our expected age that we, you know, our, before we die. We, we used to be get 40 and we die. Now we get 80 and we die. So if the universe was going to end in like a billion years or, or whatever, if we can make that double, that would be awesome. And we would have made a difference in the universe. I mean, our existence wouldn't have been just a waste of space. So humanity contributes to the universe. Contributes to the universe. Got it. You know, I'm Got saying it. it's us, but we and the aliens have to work together on this. And so oh, nice. I'm going to need a noodle on nice. that one a little bit. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. a good one, though. I like it. All right, we have Sounds Kyle. Sounds like a theme for a <laughs> role-playing game. <laughs> we got <laughs> Kyle Bolger in, in, in studio today. Kyle, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank and you. this is you're a, you're a solar coaster veteran. Veteran, yeah. Right? I've been here once before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Super in. glad to be back. Thank you. <laughs> Do appreciate and, uh, it. And sh a shining staff member of Blue Planet Energy, right? Are you the CTO? Uh, I am the VP of Engineering. VP of Engineering. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So we got some cool uh, kind of technical oriented questions coming up too. Jay, you want to jump into the hybridization of the grid stuff? Does that sound about right, right at this point? Um, yeah. Look at the, let's look at the clock real quick. Um, yeah, we're good. Forty-three. Okay. So what number are you? Uh, okay, yeah. Sorry. So we're talking about the uh, one of the one of the questions that one of the things that we're we're really into. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff we're into, but one of the things <laughs> we're into is this notion of the hybridization of the grid. Uh, and there's this organization called Emerge Alliance out there, and uh, they're talking about uh, the relationship, the current AC grid. Can we utilize DC maybe at the grid edge in a way to to make our generation and consumption more efficient? I'm wondering what you think about that stuff. We dig it. Brian Patterson, we we interviewed him at it's SBI. Very very interesting guy. Um, the nano grade conversation is what really strikes at me. I mean, we, we've, his phrase, which I, we keep bringing up, is that he's got this lovely garden of technology in his house. He's got like 500 devices, and he's watering it with a fire hose. This, this AC <laughs> coming in from the ground, right? 120 wow. volts AC. Everything <laughs> runs on 5, 3.3, 1.8 volt, you know, all these little microprocessors. Um, the, only, the only big things out there left are, are the compressor motors, and those can those can and probably should be DC as well because even those are stepping they're doing their inversion internally from the AC. There's no reason to have AC. All the lighting in my house is 12 volts. Each each and every one of them has a transformer up there, which is obscenely wasteful because they're all baking. Really I can talking feel about them. efficiencies, right? Yeah, efficiencies. We have, because we're talking about generating from renewable energies now. We're consuming in a really vastly inefficient manner, right? Are there opportunities Absolutely. from your perspective to to kind of optimize that through something like hybridization of the grid? Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, you said the grid edge. I think there's a lot of opportunities. I don't think there is a silver bullet. I think there's going to be a lot of different solutions for different applications out there. And uh, it is a little ironic that most of our appliances run on DC, yet we are transmitting AC all over the country. But, uh, you know, the way the grid was developed was uh, sort of a backwards engineering and policy nightmare um, to, to get to where we are today. You were just telling us about that book, The Grid, right? Yeah, that's a yeah. really uh, interesting book called The Grid uh, by uh, Gretchen Bakke. I think I might have said her last name correctly. <laughs> uh, really fascinating um, story about how we got into the situation we are with The Grid. Uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm not quite through the book, but, but it seems like we have a really fragile grid. Right? It was built for one thing, and now we're using it for many, many other reasons and many other things. Um, so, yeah, fixing it is going to be one house at a time. You could become more efficient. You could become a producer. You could become a storer of energy, which is, of course, why we like the idea of batteries so much. Um, being something that can absorb energy as well as release energy could really have profound effects on how mm -hmm. we operate the grid and how you the transaction takes place between the utility company and the customers. So, yeah, there's going to be there's going to be an exciting future with it. Yeah, so if if you go back in time there were these things called landlines. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, every house had a landline and uh, so today everybody uses cell phones and and like we were trying to figure out well, should we keep our landline or not and the answer is no we don't need our landline for anything there's oh, there's that. no call f there's no reason for us to have a landline because everything comes through the cell and and that is kind of similar to uh you know the energy that we can produce in a home because your home can produce the energy right there and then you're no longer like dependent on a landline and that the landline is is a, a point of vulnerability, especially if all the landline come together into one wire. And we can see what happens uh, during a hurricane by looking at what happened in Puerto Rico. Uh, the future of uh, electricity is that every house should be producing its own. If it produces a little too much, then it, it can distribute to the neighbors or get some from the neighbors. And that's how you get a little extra energy when you need it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great um, uh, kind of comparison, right? I hadn't mm -hmm. thought about that before, actually. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Cell phones are something we're all comfortable with now. I myself don't have a landline, My, and I don't even think yeah, about it. You, you know? don't think about it. Which is, uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, thanks for that. Jay, you want to <laughs> pick one next? Um, yeah, real quick. We um, had a mutual friend um, on the coaster recently, uh, Yoshopa Tatsuya, from Peace Boat and EcoShip. Are you familiar? Yeah. Familiar. Um, your uh, battery technology is really interesting. We started talking about that before. Um, is that a candidate for the the ship, storage the, the storage on the storage ship. on the ship? That would be a really interesting project. I would see. Interesting project. Um, so the qu the question is, where are you going to get your energy to store? You know, yeah. uh, you okay. can't like probably cannot s store enough energy for an entire voyage by docking somewhere. Uh, you need yeah. to have a source of energy, whether it be wind or solar. And yeah. then there's, a, there's a, the footprint that you have on a ship relative to how much energy you need. And so I'm not the engineer to figure that out, but it's, it looks to me like you would need more surface area than the, the top of a ship mm -hmm. to yeah. run a ship. Definitely. Especially if you only got it like energy half the time. Definitely, and, yeah. uh, and the same thing with wind. You know, I, 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 I sailed on Hokulea, by the way, and, oh, wow. and it's great when, you're, when the wind is in, at your back, you're like kicking butt. But then uh, there was, and in the last time we sailed to, uh, from uh, Tahiti to Hawaii, it was 18 days, it was a record. But if you go back in time, there was a, a time when there was an 18 day where there was no wind at all, and they were stuck in the middle of the ocean for 18 days doing nothing. And so uh, you, I don't think that 
container ships can afford to be in the middle of the ocean doing nothing for 18 days. Right, absolutely. So some of the other technologies, as we understand it, are uh, you know LNG is a transitionary from diesel uh, to you know full, full autonomy at one point. Mm-hmm. No go, right? No. Okay. No, we're getting, we're <laughs> not a big fan no. of LNG. And then the it's the notion. Not, it's not a bridge. It's a pier. Right. Well, we had this thing happen in Hawaii, right? <laughs> You'd walk off the bridge at the pier. We can like build this pier, but at the end of the day, we're going to walk off the end of that pier. So, so the, the answer to that, the, the answer yeah. to that is, and I'm playing with it, is hydrogen. Hydrogen. That's where we're going. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. basically, we can take all of our excess hydrogen because right now half of our energy that we produce on solar farms and wind farms on, in Hawaii is curtailed. Mm-hmm. Yep. How how can we justify curtailing energy when we spend five billion dollars a year on oil? That does make that makes no sense at all. We should take all of the extra energy, turn it into hydrogen. We can use it for grand, ground transportation, and we can even use it for ship transportation. So if you got a megawatt, so we got 17% of carbon emissions are from the marine, maritime industry, according to what we've been able to figure out, right? So that's a pretty d- significant chunk, and there's a lot of particulates. Well, it's dirty and fuel, yeah. well, are you talking about stuff? the world or the Worldwide. country? Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Equivalent roughly to Germany. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we understand. So, yeah. uh, and the hybrid and the hydrogen conversation is really where this is all headed, right? So, if you can have solar sails, you can have a couple of megs of of NREL transparent solar wrapping the ship, and then you can have uh, hydrogen-based uh, drives and whatever amount of storage you need to kind of work the rest of the systems. I think that's the direction it's heading in. Yeah. Someone once called it the Tesla of the oceans. So that's kind of what we're hearing right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, definitely a place for for hydrogen, D- definitely. Uh, it may not be primary storage because the, r- the round trip isn't as efficient as a battery. Mm. You know, we get like n- 97% efficiency, you know, 97% of the energy we put into our batteries comes back. But if it's hydrogen, it's more like 50, 60%. Right. So you have the to, last number I have. yeah, <laughs> it, it depends on, you know, who's talking. Um, <laughs> but if the, en- if the energy that, that is used to produce the hydrogen is free, you know, if it's like well, extra that's it. energy. We're blowing it off or yeah. storing it. Which right. would you rather do? Are you going to completely waste it or at least get 53% back? Yeah. Uh, my, my daughter's doing a project on that very topic at school right now. <laughs> Excellent. We're inspiring the kick in. <laughs> yeah. I want to jump right over to politics a little bit because we just had a, a, we were lucky enough to have an interview with uh, Mary Arkawa yesterday. About 40 minutes, supposed to be a 10 minute interview. It stretched out to 40. Really robust conversation. Yep. We haven't aired that episode yet, uh, but we are going to be talking to the mayoral candidates as well. And, you know, Hawaii is an environment where we've, we're kind of leading the way. And when you think, well, in some respects, see a president, Abigail Ross Hopper, says, hey, we look to you for a template for the rest of the country. So, do you have any advice or suggestions or things you would say to the up and coming? Or ask to the up and coming uh, mayoral candidates? You know, El Cochran, mm. Guzman, Victorino, these guys are all shooting for it. Yeah. Uh, it's about leadership, guys. You know, we are a leader isn't just somebody who listens to all the people and does what they want them to because people don't always know the answer. Uh, so leaders have to take leadership and they have to figure out what the answer is and then convince the rest of the people that that's the way forward. And the way forward is energy independence. We just cannot afford to spend five billion dollars a year on oil. That's taxation without representation. We've been through that. It's the reason that our cost of living is higher than any place else, and it's the reason that our salaries are lower than any uh, any place else. I mean, so much wealth is being exported. It's just, and we get nothing for it. Well, we get energy for it, but I mean, energy should be here at at five cents per kilowatt hour, ten cents per kilowatt hour. That's where it is in other states. Why aren't we doing that? And the reason is, is because we're dependent on oil, and there's some forces that that are. 
uh, how can I say, that exist in the state that like to keep it that way. They're making money off of it. So a politician is going to have to be able to stand up to the, the powers that be, so to speak. Mm. The electric company, the oil companies, uh, the refineries, all those people are, you know, they're fighting for their, their existence in Hawaii. And uh, frankly speaking, I think they've made enough money out of Hawaii already. Agreed. Agreed. You know, a, right. w one of the things that uh, we got out of uh, our conversation with Mary Arakawa was this notion of wheeling. And apparently there's some legislation moving forward towards uh, wheeling right now. I'm not sure the actual uh, uh, dockets are, but uh, you, your organizations have been really instrumental in community solar. You've been instrumental in NEM and in, 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 in establishing the 2045 goals. Uh, Mary Arakawa, 100% renewable energy goals, not only in Hawaii, but also throughout the nation. That's kind of been ripple effects throughout the nation. So, I mean, thank you. Right. Right? That's just First, remarkable. Yeah, big, big thank you. And uh, <laughs> but one of the things that took, kind of blew my mind when uh, I was talking with Mary Arakawa yesterday, when we were talking to him, he said five years. Mm -hmm. Establish wheeling and we'll have 100% renewable in five years. We haven't aired this episode yet. He mm -hmm. just yeah, said that's that. A wow. direct, that's a direct uh, We were like, really? It. Yeah. Goes, yeah. He goes, we could do it right now. We just we need a couple of you know core things and wheeling is one of them. Yep. Yeah, so the, the reason that we have wheeling in the first place or, or the, that we're not allowed to do wheeling, which is we're not allowed to take electricity from one TMK, a, a, a property to a neighboring property, is that we gave that right to the, the monopoly to the electric company a long time ago. Right. And it's so that the electric company would service remote locations because otherwise they would just like power Honolulu and Lahaina and you know a couple of places and they oh, would make I all see. their money. But by giving them a monopoly, saying, okay, well, you get a monopoly, but in exchange, you have to, you have to draw lines to all these outlying places. Um, that reasoning doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, it's cheaper for an outlier to go off-grid than to be connected to the grid. So the whole reasoning for wheeling in the first place, the, the whole reasoning for the monopoly in the first place, that's gone. And we've been living on, I don't know, 100 years or whatever it is since the electric company got started. Uh, that reasoning is no longer valid. You answered and my question and this morning. That's and it's yeah, yeah, it's it. time for us to, to move on. So we could have someone like generating in Kihei, for example, and moving that energy up to Haiku where it's raining. Is that what we're talking about with wheeling? Um, across TMKs, well, okay. so, across zones? No, it's, it's, it's even simpler than that. It's like me if I have solar and, and we, I can't even send it to my neighbor. Right. The right next door, you know, we're not talking about long distances. So we're, we're talking about right next door. If I have two pieces of property, I own both of them. Mm. I can't do that. Gotcha. It doesn't gotcha. make well. Can't cross um, the property line. Can't cross property real, lines. Real quick, I want to say we're going to open the phone lines right now. If you have a question for Hank, certainly uh, do give us a call. Oh, great. 242-7800 okay. is the number. Okay. Okay. We'll see if we get some calls in here. So which one nice. do you want to jump on next? Day? Well, we've only got three minutes left. <laughs> okay. Well, we got a couple. I, I know there's something special happening. Uh, a mutual friend, Graham Hill, has the life-edited Maui house. You want to tell us a little bit about that? It's an awesome house. It's, uh, you know, people have got, it's psychologically shown that if the bigger your house, the more messed up you and your family will be. <laughs> because people, people, um, it's the distance between people. So the theory here is that you reduce the distance between people by having everybody uh, living in a smaller house. And the smaller house means less energy. It's more efficient in every way. I lived in Japan for 18 years. We live in small houses. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. Vertical. <laughs> There's something special about being close-knit with your family. I get yeah. it. So this is the life edited Maui house. We're going to hear more about that soon. Do we yep. have a caller, Gary? Yep. We do. All Aloha, right. welcome to the Solar Coaster. Thanks so much for calling in. Who's this? Whoop. Oh, right. We lost him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's right. see if we get him back. It's going to have to be fast. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, what I want to really know is, you know, what is your wish list 
for I know you want to talk about the lunar lunar base a little bit, right? You want to share with us, share with us what's going on there? A little bit. Um, yeah. So my interest in, in mission number three, um, I believe Hawaii is the perfect place to build a, a lunar base analog. Uh, that means that we can practice living uh, in a moon base. The materials that Hawaii is made geologically is the same as the materials on the moon, almost the same. So it's a great place to practice. So rather than have it be in Texas or or California or Florida, let's have the next wave of billion-dollar industry going to space be based in Hawaii. Give, right our, here. give our kids a reason to come back and there work in go. this environment, right? Okay, go. we got it. Right. We got, we got our phone caller, caller back. All right. Yeah. Oh, Gary, Gary, you're pushing the wrong button there. Not <laughs> 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 on Gary. You must be calling from a landline. They're embarrassed. Yeah, landline. Nice. Oh, I just call on my cell phone. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Are we back? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the solar coaster. I hear it's us. A record. Well, yeah, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the coaster. Hello. Oh, I don't think it's going to work out this right. time. Sorry, we'll have to get no back to that question out well, to you. I think I have to come back next week. Is there anything <laughs> that you want to kind of put forward that we haven't covered? I mean, you're being honored at the Hawaiian on Land Trust dinner on Saturday. Big shout out to those guys, to everybody at Hill. It's going to be a fun event. Um, um, yeah. yeah, all I want to say is is hang in there. We're, we're getting close to the solution, um, and we're all part of the solution. This isn't something that is going to be done by Washington. It's going to be done by us, and we're, gonna, we're here to create the future for our children and our grandchildren. It's up to us. Nobody else, nobody's going to help us on this. We've got to do this thing. Absolutely. Wise words. Yeah, I, can, <laughs> Take that. I think when we think about our kids, that, that's the kind that's, of thing that can really stir your, you know, your, and really kind of get you. Uh, yeah, activated. that's a primal instinct for sure. I mean, I have, I have my three. They're actually all in Japan right now. Um, but no place better in the world to, to raise small children than right here. Let's make them stay. <laughs> join, join the Blue Planet Energy team, right? Our, 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 our family here. We've got so many people that are going completely grid independent, right? Or uh, grid defection, whatever term you prefer. And the reality is, is the utility companies just aren't working with us as fast as we need to move. And so if you want to help promote this, you know, revolution in energy consumption and reducing your carbon-based fuels, just go do it yourself. Wow. Get off grid and show them that they don't really have the right to dictate your life, right? And the more of us that can do that will encourage them, hopefully in, in a much uh, more effective way, to start playing nicely with us, uh, and then we'll go back to that grid interaction, right? We'll, we'll be able to really work together as a community. I feel but you on that. They're really dragging their that. heels. We gotta yeah. speed them up. Let's maybe, do this. Maybe it's not time to be patient, gentlemen. Yep. That's right. Yep. Right? All right. That's well, right. hey, can't thank you enough, uh, Hank Rogers from Blue Planet Foundation, Blue Planet Energy, and a bunch of other great organizations, uh, Hawaiian on Land Trust, Champion, Champion of the of Land, the land. <laughs> here on the, the Solar best, Coaster. That's the best title. <laughs> and Kyle Bulger, thank you very much. Uh, you're, you're a brilliant guy. Really appreciate having you at the show. Solar Anthony, Jonah Heller, thank you, boy, uh, boys, gentlemen, and Gary Forsberg, everybody. Thank you. If you're you. on the YouTube, hit like and subscribe. Do appreciate it. All right. Aloha Friday, everybody. Have a great weekend. Aloha.